refers to the right of a lender to collect his loan, that which the borrower owes him, from the borrower's property, even once the borrower has sold that property to somebody else. For example, if Ruvain lends money to Shimon, and it comes to the date where he is supposed to collect his debt from Shimon, but Shimon hasn't got any money to give him back the loan. So if Shimon has property, then Reuven is able to collect that property. And if Shimon hasn't got any property, but he had property at the time that the loan was made. When he took the loan, he had a piece of land. And since then, he has sold that piece of land to somebody else. Levi. So Reuven has a right to collect his loan from the land which Shimon sold to Levi. And this is known as Achrais Nechosim. Says the Mishnah, Motza Shtar if somebody finds a Shtar which refers to a document which says that somebody lent money to somebody else, and this is really the document which a lender would use in order to collect his debt. This is the proof that he actually lent the other person money. So somebody finds a document which says that Ruvain lent money to Shimon. What should he do with this document? Should he return it to Ruvain? Should he return it to Shimon? Says the Mishnah, if the document states that the lender has the right of Achais Nechosim, then Lo Yachzer, the person who finds it, should not return the document to either of them. And the Gemara explains, even if the borrower admits that he hasn't yet paid the loan, which means that it must be that the lender is the one who still had the document and was waiting to use it in order to collect his, his debt. And it was the lender who lost the document. Even if the borrower agrees and he says that he still owes the money, the person who finds it should not return that document to the lender. Why is that? Because since there's a chayis nechosim attached to this loan, we are concerned that really the borrower did already pay back the loan to the lender. However, they're now working together and they have a sort of plot that they're going to pretend that the, that the borrower never paid back the loan. And the borrower right now hasn't got any money. So the lender is going to take this document and go to the person who the borrower sold his land to and is going to snatch that land away from the buyer. And then the lender and the borrower plan on splitting that land between them. And their plan is to basically gain from this buyer that the buyer will lose out and they will both gain by taking back the land which should really belong to the buyer of the land. And therefore, it's very nice that the borrower admits that he has not yet paid back the debt, but we're concerned that really he has paid back, and he is just plotting together with the lender to make the buyer of the field, of the borrower's field, lose out. So again, says the Mishnah, If it's written in the document that the lender has the rights of Achais Nechosim to collect any land which the borrower had sold to somebody else, then Lo the person who finds the document, should not return the document. Why? Because Basin would collect that land from the buyer and give it over to the lender. And we have the concern which we just explained. However, if in the document is not written that the lender has this right of Achais Nechosim to collect the land which the borrower sold on to somebody else, then Yachzer. The person who finds this document should return the document to the lender who has written inside of the document so that he is able to collect his debt. And the concern which we explained above is not applicable to a basin from a hen because the basin wouldn't collect any property from the buyer and give it over to the lender because the lender in this case has not got a right of a chayis nechosim at all. So their entire plot wouldn't work. 
Diver Meir, that is the opinion of a Meir. However, Chachom say, Ben Kach Uvein Kach Leach Zer. Whether or not this Achrais Lachosim is written inside the document, the person who finds it should not return the document to the lender. Because even if it's not written inside of the get of the of the document, the basin would still collect that property from the buyer. Meaning, this idea of Achrais Lachosim is a right of every lender even without it being written in the document. We assume perhaps the person who wrote the document forgot to mention it, but certainly there is an assumption that any lender would only lend money with this condition attached, since it is one of his rights which a lender has. So even if it's not actually written in the document, he would still be able to collect property which the borrower sold, and therefore there is still a concern that the borrower and lender are plotting together, and therefore the person who found the document should not return it to the lender. Now, it should be noted that part of the reason why we are concerned that the borrower and lender are plotting together is because it's more likely that the person who lost the document was the borrower and not the lender. Because the lender needs that document in order to collect his debt. So he's likely to be much more careful guarding that document. Whereas the borrower, once he's received it back, once he pays the loan so he would receive that document back, and then he's more likely to be less careful with the document. He doesn't need it in order to collect any money. And therefore it's more likely that it did drop from him, that he was the one who lost it. And therefore that's already a reason to suspect that he is the one who lost it. And the only reason why he would be saying that he hasn't yet paid it is because they are plotting together, as we explained. All right, Mishnah Zayin. If somebody finds a document of divorce of a woman, or a document stating that somebody free is freeing his slave, this is some sort of will. The law is that somebody who is on their deathbed, who says that a possession of his should be given to somebody, even though in general that person would only acquire it if he does a act of acquiring it, like we saw in the first few Mishnahis of this Masechta, there's a special law that somebody who is on their deathbed, in order that they not get over-concerned, so the Rabbanon said that anything which they say, if they say that something should be given to somebody else, so already then we viewed that ownership as having been tr- transferred to that person who should receive it. So the Atiki refers to a document where it would be recorded what that person said should be given to who. Matona, a document stating that somebody is giving a gift to somebody else, v'shevorim, a receipt saying that a borrower has returned a loan to the lender. Any of these documents which somebody finds, the person who finds them should not return the document. He shouldn't give the get to the woman or the document of freedom to the slave. He cannot assume that these documents were already given to the person who is supposed to receive them. Because I can say... They are written down, but the person who was going to give the document and who got it written, he changed his mind not to give it in the end. He wanted to, he was thinking about divorcing his wife, but he decided actually not to. So you cannot assume that just because the get was written down that the woman is already divorced, and therefore you should not return it, you shouldn't give it to the woman. And there's no reason to give it to the man, or in the other cases to the person who was going to give the document onwards to somebody else because they can write one again. That's no problem. The whole discussion is whether to give it to the person on the receiving end. So we say you shouldn't give it, because you cannot assume that the document had actually been given to that person. Mishnah Ches. Now the Mishnah lists many documents where the concern which we just described does not exist. That they are written, but not actually given over. Either because they don't need to be given over, 
or because we assume that it was given over immediately. What's a grace shum? If somebody finds a document which records the fact that the Bastin evaluated the value of a borrower's property in order that the lender collect his loan, his debt, from the lo- from the borrower's property, and as soon as the Bastin would write down that document, they would give it over to the lender, and the lender would become the owner of that property. And the basin, they wouldn't keep it for a while and then give it to the lender. They'd write it down and immediately give it to the lender. So one who finds such document can certainly assume that it's the lender who lost the document. And so you should return it to him, the Igres Mozain, a document which records that the basin evaluated somebody's property after he died. And the law is that one, once a person dies, his wife and daughters are supported by the inheritance which he leaves behind. And they have a right even to sell property which he left behind in order to support themselves. So this document refers to the document which records the evaluation which the Bastin did of this person's property which they are going to sell in order to support the woman and her daughters. Shtori Chalitza, a document which records that Chalitza was done. What is Chalitza? So when a person dies without children, he was married but he didn't have any children, there is a mitzvah upon the dead man's brother to marry the dead man's wife, the widow. And that is known as Yibum. However, in a case where they don't want to go through the Yibum, they don't want to marry each other, or for other reasons to, which make Yibum not possible, there is a process done in Basin known as Chalitza. And only once that process has been done is that dead man's wife allowed to marry anybody else. Until then, she is forbidden to marry anybody else. So if somebody finds a document which records that the Chalitza had been done, it should be returned to the woman. This is her proof that she is allowed to remarry. Again, because we assume that as soon as the Bastin wrote down that document, they did it as the process was being done, and they gave it to the woman immediately. So it's certainly she who is the one who lost the document. Umeunin, a document which records that Mion had been done. What is Mion? When a girl who is under the age of bas mitzvah, if her father has died. So now the only way that she can get married before she reaches the age of bas mitzvah is if her mother or brothers marry her off to a man, and that marriage is only valid with Rabbonon. And the law is that until she reaches the age of bas mitzvah, she is able to do mion, which is where she refuses to continue the marriage, and she dissolves the marriage as if it never had started. Strictly speaking, she doesn't even require a divorce at all, or a get. And this document is just to record and to prove the fact that she had done Mion. And again, because this is something written by the Bastin, so as soon as they would write it, they would give it to the woman. And so it can be safely assumed that she is the one who lost it. And so it should be returned to her. Ustoy Veirin, a document where two litigants in a case in the Bastin decide which judges they want. When two people come to court, so between them they need to decide which Dayonim will judge their case. And once they've decided it, they write up a document saying that that is their final decision, and that they will accept whatever these judges will rule. Alright, V'chomai Sabastin, and any document which is written up by the Bastin. The Gemara explains this is coming to include, for example, a case where the Bastin evaluated the uh, a borrower's property in order to give it over to the lender to collect his debt. Just that in this case, we're talking about a case where the borrower is not present. And even then, the basin would evaluate his property, give over this document to the lender, and the lender would immediately become the owner of the borrower's property. Biazmei, in all of these cases, says the Mishnah, Haris Ayachzer, the person who finds such a document should return it to the person written down in the document who we assume has it. 
because the concern which we had in the previous Mishnah, that it was written down and not yet given to the receiving end, to the receiving party, to the person who is supposed to get this document, that concern does not exist in all of these cases. Now the Mishnah goes back to the documents which we had in the previous Mishnah, which in general should not be returned. But the Mishnah says, what happens if Motzabach Afisa, he found such a document inside a bag or some sort of pouch, and it was a unique, identifiable bag or pouch, such that if the person who found this pouch would announce and make it known in public that he found a pouch, the owner of the pouch would be able to come and he would tell him exactly how the pouch looks like and prove that he knows what he's talking about and that, and that the pouch belongs to him. So we're talking about such a pouch or a bag. Alternatively, if somebody found he found a bundle of documents tied together, wrapped up together. A tachrich refers to a case where each document was rolled up by itself, and then the next one was rolled around it, and the next document was rolled around the previous document. Whereas an aguda is where the documents are sort of piled one upon the other, and then rolled up together. So in all of these cases, the person who finds it should return the document if the person can identify and prove that it belongs to him. It was wrapped up in a unique way, or he can say how many documents were wrapped up together, because then there is proof that it really belongs to that person. And so the person who finds it should return it. However, the Mishnah says, how many documents need to be in this in this rolled up pile of documents such that if you announce that you found a number of documents wrapped up together and a person comes and says how many there were and he gets that number right so you can assume that he is indeed the rightful owner of these documents it has to be at least at least three documents which are tied and rolled up together because if there's only two of them and somebody announces in public I found documents wrapped up together so documents is in the plural and the minimum which there would be is two of them. So it's likely that somebody would guess that you found two documents. So there's no proof if he, if he says that there were two of them, that indeed the documents were lost by him. Only if there are three and he gets that number right exactly, so then we can now assume that he is telling the truth and that he is the one who lost these documents. Alright, Mishim Gamliel says, If one person borrowed from three people, meaning somebody finds three documents all together, and the borrower in each one of them is the same. So that is a big reason to assume that it certainly they were certainly lost by the borrower, and therefore Yachzil Aloive, the person who finds them, should return these documents to the borrower who is written down in all of the documents. And likewise, if it's three people who borrowed from the same person, meaning the lender which is recorded in, in all of the documents is the same person, then Yachzil Amalve, the person who finds these documents, should return them to the lender, since it can be assumed that he is the one who lost them. Alright, continues the Mishnah. If somebody finds a document with among his own documents, but this document doesn't have anything to do with him. It says that somebody else borrowed money from somebody else. So obviously what must have happened? That the person who had this document gave it to him to look after. But he can't remember whether it was the borrower who gave it to him, or if it was the lender who gave it to him. Both of them together. So what should he do with this document? Who should he give it back to? Says the Mishnah, we don't know. The document should be left there until Eliyahu Novi comes and Moshiach comes and he will clarify all of the 
doubtful cases in monetary terms, and he will clarify who is the rightful owner of this document. And what happens if somebody finds within his own document, he has a document which takes away the significance of a different document. And this is really referring to a receipt. He finds a receipt which says that money which somebody else owed him had already been paid. Now, it doesn't really make sense why he should have this document with him. The receipt was written for the person who paid the money so that he can prove that he has paid his debt off. However, the Mishnah still says the fact that there is a document here which has been written, so yes, Mashmash and Symphonis, you should act according to what is written in this receipt, and you should assume that the person who had owed him money and paid him had given him this receipt to look after for a bit, or whatever it may be, the fact is there is such a document which has been written, and so you should act accordingly. This parak continues the discussion of the mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda, of returning a lost item. If somebody lost something, so the person who finds it is obligated to return it to its owner. And if he knows who it belongs to, then he should go straight to that person and return it to him. And if he doesn't know who it belongs to, so he should announce in public that he found an item. And he should say roughly what the item is. He can say, let's say, I found money. And then a person who claims that he lost it would approach this person who found it. And in order to prove that it is his, he would give a simon. A simon is a particular sign and an identifiable feature of the found item which the person can use to prove that it is, that it is his. And we'll see in the coming Mishnayis what is considered to be a valid simon. But an example would be if it was in a particular, if let's say he had pieces of meat which were cut in a very specific shape. So if he could describe the shape, etc., and he can give that simon, so that is a proof that it is indeed his, and the person who found it and announced about it would need to give it to that person who provided a simon. Now the peric opens up by asking, Which items which, when they are found, the person who finds them can keep them for himself? And which items is he obligated to announce and fulfill the mitzvah of Hashem And the Mishnah is going to bring quite a long list now. And there are two basic conditions which need to be fulfilled in order to allow the person to keep them for himself. And before we'll mention what those two conditions are, it's important to introduce with the concept of Yush. Yush is when the owner of an item gives up hope of getting that item back. And in general, if somebody loses something which has not got a simon on it, there's nothing especially identifiable or unique about that item. So when he realizes that he lost that item, he would have Yush, he would give up hope of retrieving that item and being able to get it back, because he's got no way of proving that he is the owner of that item. And as a result of having Yush, he loses his ownership of that item. So if he were to have Yush and then somebody would find the item, the person who finds it would be able to take it because it's now ownerless. However, not every item which doesn't have a simon can the person who finds it keep it. Because we are concerned of a scenario known as Yushalomidas. Yushalomidas refers to a case where the person who lost it doesn't yet know that he lost it. But when he will find out, then he'll have Yush and he'll give up hope of, re- of retrieving the item. And there's a big debate in the Gemara as to whether Yushalomidas is good enough to consider that item to be ownerless already from now. 
such that the person who finds it will become the owner of it, even though the person who lost it has not yet had that yush. Since he's definitely going to have yush as soon as he finds out about it, perhaps we'll say that already now he view it as if he's had the yush. Or not. And the conclusion of the Gemara is that yush lemidas, lo have yush, that is not the same as yush. And because of that, if somebody finds an item, let's say Ruven loses his item, and Shimon finds it before Ruven knows that he lost it. So he hasn't yet had Yush. When Shimon picks up that item, it still belongs to Ruvain. So when he picks it up, he becomes a Shomer. He becomes somebody who is responsible to guard the item belonging to somebody else, belonging to Ruvain. If Ruvain loses an item and Shimon finds it and takes it, so he's now responsible to look after that item. So even if Ruvain will later on have Yush, that won't help. Shimon is already considered responsible to look after Ruvain's item. And once he has got that responsibility, even if Reuven has Yush, it won't help. And Reuven's ownership remains, and therefore Shimon will be obligated to return the item to Reuven. And because of that, we need two conditions to be fulfilled in order for somebody to be able to keep something which he finds, which has been lost by somebody else. The first condition is that it hasn't got a simon. So when the person who lost it, who lost it, finds out that he lost it, he will have Yush. And secondly, it has to be something which the person who lost it will find out very soon after he lost it that indeed he lost it. It needs to be something which he's constantly checking if he still has it, and therefore there will be no concern of Yerushalomidas, and it can be safely assumed that when the person found it, the owner had already had Yerush, and therefore it's considered to be ownerless, and the person who finds it would become the owner. So the Mishra says, Elim Shalai, the following examples of things which the finder may keep. If you found fruit or produce which are scattered, they're not tied up together in any unique way, and they're relatively heavy, so certainly the person who dropped them would realize. Money which is scattered about. Since it's scattered, there's no simon. And since it's money, so the person constantly checks his pockets to make sure that the money which he had there is still there, so he would realize very soon after that he lost it. Small bundles of grain, of produce, which haven't got a simon on, which are found in a public area. Dried figs which have been pressed together to form a cake. And it's no different to anybody's dried fig cake. So it hasn't got a simon, loaves of bread of a baker. So again, he makes all of his bread the same, so everybody who buys bread from there has the same type of bread, so there's no simon. Strings of fish, and pieces of meat, which are not in any unique shape. It's regular meat, piles of sheared wool, which come from their country, meaning they're in their original state, and haven't been changed or made into any unique form. Bundles of flax, pieces of wool which have been dyed purple. These last couple of examples, the wool and the flax, and this purple wool, are all quite expensive. So again, somebody would realize very soon after that he lost it, and he would have yush quickly. In all of these cases, when the person finds it, he can assume that the owner has already had the yush, and that the item is ownerless, and Haredu Shalai, he may keep those items. The Rebbe Meir, that is the opinion of Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Huda Omer, Yehuda says, Any of these items which have been listed, if there is something unique about them, even though the item itself has no simon, if there is something added to them which is different, then Chaim Lachrez, he would be obligated to announce that item and he cannot keep it for himself. Kate said, what's an example? Motza igul of If he finds a fig cake, and inside the fig cake is a piece of earthenware. 
or kikar, a loaf of bread, or and there's money inside the piece of bread. So the likelihood is that that thing fell into there by mistake. Nobody wants money inside of their loaf of bread. However, since at the end of the day there is money there, we heard of reasons that the owner would now not have yush, because he can use that as a simon. And we assume that the owner does know that there is money or a piece of earthenware in there. Rabbi Shimon Elazar, Rabbi Shimon Elazar says there is a unique law which is not just Rabbi Shimon Elazar's opinion that something which doesn't have a simon but belongs to a Talmud Chacham and this righteous Talmud Chacham comes and says that he recognizes that this item is his. The law is that he is assumed to be telling the truth and the person who finds it will be obligated to return it to him. Now Rabbi Shimon Elazar says that Kol Klean Puya, any new item one would not be obligated to announce even, and he can keep it himself, even if it's in an area where there are lots of Tamil Chachomim, so it could be that it dropped from a Tamil Chacham, that a Tamil Chacham lost it, and in that case it wouldn't need a simon. So even if it hadn't got a simon, you should still announce it. However, Mishimun Lazarus says that if it's a new item, then even in such a case you wouldn't need to announce it, because even a Tamil Chacham is not likely to be able to recognize that item yet, since he hasn't really used it enough. And therefore, in such a case, you wouldn't announce it at all, and you would be able to keep it.